Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast. Episode 29, Legalese and Intellectual Property, recorded at Metatopia 2013 by Jason Pitt, presented by Justin Jacobson and Jason Pitt. So, hello everyone. Uh, welcome to uh, panel, I don't know what the number is, uh, uh, what is it, trademarks, copyrights, and patents? Yes. Uh, legalese. Legalese. I'm going to You're in the wrong room. We are in the wrong room. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. For, <laughs> thank you for the title. Otherwise, we yes. Time to figure out. Nice. Uh, I almost be... learned something. <laughs> you saved yourself before it was too late. I will be the straight man for the evening, uh, asking all the questions that you, all of you would probably be wanting to ask, because I am not a lawyer. I'm also Canadian. If you have any questions about uh, Commonwealth copyright law, I am your man. Um, We have interesting things, um, like shorter copyright um, and moral rights. Uh, But uh, beyond that, um, the heavy lifting is coming from... Hi, uh, my name is Justin Jacobson. Uh, I am an attorney. I don't do intellectual property as my... Area of practice. I actually do debt collection and civil litigation, uh, but I am also a game designer and game publisher. And so, by virtue of that, obviously, I've had to learn about intellectual property issues. And my background as a lawyer essentially gives me a leg up to understand and uh, comprehend and retain some of those issues. Uh, obviously, I have some basic training in law school, but. The more esoteric issues I may not be able to assist with, um, we'll see what comes up, I guess. This will pretty much just be an overview and basic understanding. These issues can be complicated. It's a highly specialized area of the law, um, but we'll talk it up and see if you guys have any questions. Um, so just to start things off, um, uh, what is the level of invariance state to state? To state? Like how much is this all state based versus federal? Intellectual or? property law is all federal, okay, um, and it's established in the contrary. Our constitution actually uh, provides for the federal gut, and that's why it's federal. Otherwise, it would be by state. Uh, provides for establishment of a you know protection for copyrights and uh, marks and uh, patents. So, um, I guess fundamentally, let's talk real quickly about basically what we're we're talking about here. And, these three areas are under the umbrella of intellectual property. It's something of a misnomer because the copyright is not the property. The uh, trademark is not really the property. The patent is not the property. Those are the protections of the property. The property is really the thing that you actually make. Um, and by property in the law, we mean something that can be owned. Right? It's capable of being owned. So, like, a person is not property these days, right? Um, you know, happiness is not a property. Uh, happiness, but a pen TM, is. the game, yeah. is a property. But a pen is. A pen is a piece of property. Uh, that's tangible property, real property, like land, right? You can buy and sell land. You can touch the land. Um, but then we have these intangible forms of property. Uh, of which is intellectual property, which is why it can be confusing, because it doesn't seem like something that can be owned. It's sort of an abstract idea. 
Um, but ultimately, it's really just uh, ownership of something that is tangible that was created through intellect or the creative process, right? Um, and so we have these three flavors of protection to protect something that you create. So you create something. You want to make sure people don't take it. We have all sorts of protections for tangible property, right? You can't take my pen. That's called theft. Um, and so we have these protections to establish exactly what you can and can't preclude someone from doing with your intellectual property and um, what protections you have for the thing that you've created. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, so, again, we have the three flavors, real basic, copyright, trademark, and patent. Copyright is uh, literally the right to copy something. That's not exactly where it comes from, but it's an easy way to remember. It's the specific expression of an idea. So some of you have probably heard this. Uh, you can't copyright an idea. You're only copywriting the specific expression of that idea that you've created. So if you want to create a movie about a young boy who lives on a backwater planet and he uh, comes into contact with this wise mystical man who shows him uh, special powers. And After cutting off an alien's arm. Exactly. You can do that. That's totally fine because uh, Lucas does not have a copyright on the idea, right? Now, uh, my lightsaber. Right. Um, that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, is that trigger? Uh, well, I don't think that is ironically. Here's an interesting thing. Droid actually is a trademark owned by George Lucas. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, which is why Motorola had to get a license to name their phone the droid. <laughs> so, um, but it's, so it's, you can take the idea and make it your own and publish it. That's fine. That's fine. Um, also, has anyone noticed that Dungeons and Dragons has halflings and not hobbits anymore? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> they got in trouble. Right. Just a little. Um, and also the original deities and demigods had Tithulu and uh, the other one, the, uh, the Grey Mouser. Oh, uh, yeah, Popper and the Grey Mouser. Yeah. Um, I think that was the other one they got in trouble for. Uh, yeah, 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 I think those were the ones. Um, so it's maybe one of the really easy ways to think about it uh, when I teach it in my class is uh, a cookbook, right? The idea of making brownies is not a novel idea, right? Anyone can, you have a brownie a recipe for making brownies, how many cups of sugar are in it, how many eggs, how, you know, how much flour. Um, that's all fine. You put that in a book. I can go out of your book. I can copy that recipe and publish it myself, right? There's nothing special about the recipe, particularly in terms of, like, the types of ingredients. There's nothing, that's not a novel expression of an idea. The little paragraph below all the ingredients, which is where I tell exactly how to put them together, is a specific expression of an idea of how to put it together. So if I copy that word for word and put that in my cookbook, that's a problem. What I can do is I can change the words around. Because again, it's not the idea, it's the expression of the idea. Does that make sense? All right. So then we've got trademarks. And trademarks are to protect uh, logos, words, um, you can even have a design trademark, uh, we'll talk about that in a second, um, and so that's, let me go back for one second, copyright, you see the little C with the circle in it, right, that means it's copyright, trademark has the little TM, 
or sometimes you see the little R with the circle around it. That means it's a registered trademark. Still just a trademark. We can talk about registration too if we want to, if we get down the road. Uh, but you're protecting, so if I have the name of my book, which is Spark, the RPG, yes. do you have a little TM on your cover? Or no? Uh, no. Yeah, most people don't bother. Um, yeah. Uh, but do you put it on your legal page? Uh, your Indisha? No, I do not. It's because I'm insane, <laughs> and I also release my Creative Commons, and then I'm putting it in public domain in 10 years. So I really, what? You don't I, I don't protect it. <laughs> um, because even if I don't put a C in a circle, it's still copyright. Oh, yeah. That's There's still copyright protection. Yes. Um, even if you don't put the TM, I believe you still... No. No? You still true. you need the yes. TM? Okay. That's an important You don't need to register it. But you, you still don't need, need to, to register But you still need to have the TM. Okay. So let's clarify. Uh, he's absolutely correct. You don't need to put the C anywhere. Uh, you have a copyright just by the act of publication or creation, even really. You have a copyright as many you create something. It doesn't matter, obviously, until you publish it to the public or the third part, a third party. But uh, once you create something, you have a copyright, whether you have a C on it or not. Well, the only thing the C is important for doing is, is evidence of your copyright. So if I publish a book and I say, this is copyright 2012 Justin D. Jacobson, then that, and then someone goes and steals something from me later and they publish something out of my book, I can say, oh, here's my first publication. I have copyright notice 2012. His book was published in 2013. Mine clearly predated it, right? And that would be just for evidence. If I don't have it in there, I can still sue him and go to court and say, look, he stole this right out of my book. Um, you know, and I can try and prove that, but the, I don't have that evidence of having that copyright declaration in there, which makes clear uh, what, you know, who owns the copyright and the date it was created, that sort of thing. Uh, would an ISBN help on that? No. No? Okay. You're talking about, uh, no. No. That's, okay. uh, I mean, maybe it would help. I, I, and just, just as proof of evidence. It yeah. would help the evidence it was published on this date. Uh, maybe. Yeah, it could hurt at least. I don't know. Um, yeah. But um, not nearly as good uh, compared to. Well, I mean, it's just more standardized, really, yeah. right? Um, so there's a difference between having the right and then if you have to prove it, the evidence of that right. That's what copyright is for. Um, now, you can register a copyright as well. It's fairly easy to do, it's relatively cheap, not worth it for the most part. Um, the only thing it's going to do for you uh, is um, give you a. Give you availability of uh, statutory damages, so that if somebody steals your copyright and you sue them, it makes it easier for you to get, you know, a monetary award rather than trying to prove well, how was I damaged by the fact that he stole my, you know, copied this portion of my book. That might be difficult to prove. So if you copy, you know, I have a game and you copy a monster out of my book and put it in your book, clearly a copyright violation. I could sue you for it. And then part of my suit would be, what are my damages? How much have I been damaged? What is my loss? Um, that might be difficult for me to prove. How would I go about proving how much it's that cost me or what the damage was to me by him having reprinted? That might be difficult to do that. Um, and so that if you register it, it gives you, you can get statutory damages. I forget how they're calculated. But, uh, but like I said, it's really probably not worth it as a general matter. So a lot of, most people don't do it. So getting back to trademark, um, you got your logo, you've got your, you know, word. If you've got a, it has to be unique. You have to be the first person to use it. Uh, 
in the specific domain of the product. Yeah, mean. we're getting in. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so he's right. The whole idea behind trademark is, is it's to protect against confusion. So go ahead. I mean, go um, ahead. So uh, you can certainly have a book called Magic and a board game called Magic. So long as your board game isn't a card board game, you're probably fine. No one's going to be confused and think that your um, your cookbook called Magic is going to be Magic Cards. The difficulty is when you make your own card game called Magic Cards, and a customer might be confused and think, oh, this must be produced by Hasbro, right? That's what it tries to avoid. Right, so it's based on a classification of goods or services. So for example, um, I just rebranded my law firm as Lawcraft, and we're applying for a trademark registration. Uh, in the, there's a category for legal services. So it doesn't matter if somebody made a game called Lawcraft, which sounds like the most boring game ever. <laughs> uh, that would be that would be a competition. They're not likely to confuse my law firm with some board game, right? Um, and um, yeah, so that's the issue. But you claim a trademark by putting the little TM on it. You have to essentially claim a trademark because people use words all the time. You know, we, it has to be something unique. Um, or novel, I guess, way to phrase it. But uh, you have to claim the trademark. You can use all kinds of words and not claim them. That they're in the public domain. Anyone can use them, right? Um, then you can also register a trademark as well. Um, we're actually doing that for my law firm for a couple of reasons. That's sort of slightly harder to do than registering a copyright. Uh, it takes longer and costs more. Uh, it's an adversarial process. So people can actually challenge your trademark claim, right? When you do the copyright registration, they're just checking to see you filled out the form right, basically. Um, the trademark application can take a few months. People can make claims, you know, against it, and then at some point they might decide that you've got this trademark. Um, but the same thing. That's just evidence, ultimately, right? Although so I've seen that evidence of value in one specific case, uh, where it has actually been of value. In the gaming industry. That's about all Dish. I'm saying. What? No. Okay. I don't know what he's talking about. There, yeah. 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 Right. yeah. Wasn't it the case with DC Comics? What about it? Didn't that why they had to change their logo? It was because some shoe company had that star and they sued them, but that shoe company registered the trademark DC oh. lost, and that's why you have the funny new logo. I have not heard that before. No, I heard, I heard that this no. last year. L5R, under the five rings? where they had five linked rings, and then the Olympic Committee said, no, you have to change the backs of all your cards from now on. <laughs> nice. I did remember this. Yeah, I hadn't heard that one either. So they <laughs> all, they had to, yeah, that is a pain. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, right, so, but registration is just evidence, so you can show prior use. So the way a, a trademark conflict gets resolved is, Basically, if the person who's claiming they have a trademark on something, if the other person can show that they were using it beforehand, then that person doesn't get that trademark. Or at least that person gets the right to, to use the trademark because they were using it first. And if you point at a registered trademark, then you can write an angry letter, say, rah, 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 I am a lawyer, and by the way, I have this registered trademark, you might as well get out of my way. This is why you can't use the term isolimics. <laughs> nice. What? Because they're national... Um, 
their equivalent to AT&T over here was called iPhone long before uh, um, Apple, and Apple sued them to, to tell them that they couldn't use the term iPhone, and they won, and yeah. Apple had to pay them rep, uh, reparations for the damage of people being confused. <laughs> Which is ironic, because Apple itself was subject to a trademark issue with Apple Records from the Beatles. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, it, most likely. The whole issue, the ultimate issue is, is a consumer going to be confused? So some of that can be tricky because, you know, what what industry is Apple in? You know, that gets bigger every day. Uh, or something, you know, like a entertainment company food, like Disney or whatever. I mean. Well, certainly, like, you could have Apple dry cleaners, you know, at your store. No problem, right? That's pretty clear. But if you're, like, uh, you know, Apple computer repair... That's going to be trickier. Um, so it depends. There's no, you know, set of, you know, rules as far as what is or isn't going to qualify. Ultimately, I probably have mentioned this in one. I mentioned this in one of my prior panels. Some of you may have heard this before, right? And I teach high school intro to law class. Uh, so one of the things I always ask, well, how do you know if it's a violation or not? Uh, what you know, what what's the rule for that? And the answer is, you know, by filing a lawsuit, and then the judge will tell you whether or not it's a violation or not. Uh, so when we say something's a violation or not, ultimately it's going to, if it comes into conflict, it's going to get resolved in the court. Yeah. Well, going with the Apple thing, how does Apple actually deal with, like, farmers who actually sell apples? They don't. They don't. I mean, you say, like, this is a Macintosh. And... Yeah. Yeah, but well, nobody's going to confuse a computer right. for an Apple. Like... Well, also, uh, within the domain of food production... There's prior art. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, the Apple's been around a lot longer than the, the Apple phones. Um, yeah, and it's not the same industry, obviously. Um, but I can see something coming up. Like, what if you're an Apple farmer and you made your logo look very similar to the Apple logo? Sure, that'd be a problem. So what about your genetically engineered Apple? <laughs> That's more likely covered under Hello, patents. Monsanto. <laughs> yeah. Yes, patent law. Patents. Um, so let's talk real briefly. That's the third flavor. And then, you know, we can open up to questions. Yeah. Like that. Um, did I talk about tri trademark registration? I did, uh, right? Yes, okay. yes. All right. Um, so the last, uh, the last of the three flavors of intellectual property protection is patent, which protects uh, novel designs or processes, right? Yep. Uh, so it's not like a specific image or something like that. It's an actual way something is built. It's an invention, essentially. You've invented something new. Either a new way to do something or a new actual thing that people didn't have before. Uh, now, it is the most complicated of the three things. Most difficult to get. You actually have to apply for a patent. It's more expensive. Um, it will cost you more for the attorneys to do it. It's got to be reviewed by engineers and you know people with you know, engineering degrees and uh, it can take longer for the process to play out, um, and then ultimately you get your patent, and you can actually, you know, protect your invention that way and keep other people from doing it. Fun fact: How many of you know what an NDA is? Welcome to patents. Have to keep it secret. Uh, according to another seminar I was attending, um, that that is partially the keeping it secret until the patent is registered. Well, that's the part covered under trade secret. You can go one step further and just never tell anybody, like Coke does. 
their secret ingredient is patented either right. in their formula. They just only tell two people. <laughs> as long as you can keep that up, it's considered a trade secret. Right. 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 Yeah. It is first to file. I'm not sure how recently changed it is, but that's actually something I think is coming up. It's something that's coming up for review soon, I think, in the Supreme Court, or it's working its way to the court. Because there was a function that came in? Yeah, because of the, yeah. So a lot of people have started abusing the patent system, the patent trolls. You probably heard that phrase come up. Um, where people are patenting things left and right, and then. What, what happened was, is it used to be very clear that it was had to be like an actual invention. Um, and this whole idea of process was really kind of a secondary issue. But people started seizing on that and patenting like, uh, I think like, you know, uh, Amazon was claiming a patent on one-click technology and as a process, right? And uh, so all these things started, these, I, oh, this is a way of running a business as a process that I'm patenting, right? And it was very... People are really pushing the boundaries, and I think that is what is now getting, you know, challenged. It's probably going to get curtailed a little bit. Now, within the realm of the gaming industry, it is possible to patent thing some things. It's probably not worth it, unless you happen to be Wizards of the Coast slash Hasbro, who patented tapping a magic card. You cannot have a card game where you are tapping that card. And by turning it at 45 degrees. To produce yeah, I don't currency. think that's true. That's kind of a myth. I, 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 okay. I, 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 you I can heard use the word right? movement yeah, of they, it was a They tried to oh, claim that. Oh, they tried to claim I don't that. think that worked. Yeah, because <laughs> okay. uh, Pokemon isn't manufactured by them anymore, and they still use the term tapping. Well, there's just a lot of games, too. Like, there's okay. cranking. You know, yeah, 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 but I thought they all had to use, like, cranking exhausting or exhausting or draining. Right, so they can't use the word. They, I think they claimed a trademark on Oh, a trademark on tap. Okay. So that's a good example, right? Uh, Magic the Gathering, one of the things you do if you're going to play, you play the card down. If you're using a, expending a power that that card can do, you're turning it sideways to indicate that you have expended that card's power. And in the rules, they called it tapping. I don't even know if it was just copyright or if I think they specifically claimed a trademark on the, the term tapping, which is the act of turning a card sideways to indicate that you're expending its power, right? They ought also claimed and filed for, and I think were granted ultimately, a patent. Uh, for the actual process of turning a card sideways to indicate that you've expended its power. If you think about that, if that patent was valid, then indeed no other games could do that. So you want to make a CCG and you want to indicate that a card's used its power, you couldn't do that. Maybe you'd have to turn it over or put a token on it or something. But you couldn't, in your rules, say, turn the card sideways to indicate you've expended its power, even if you use a different term other than tapping. And I think what happened was is ultimately they, they had claimed it. I think it, uh, for a while people were backing off, and then someone challenged it, and I think that eventually got overturned that way. Um, but you still can't use the word tapping. <laughs> so you see that in other uh, other games. Um, so I want to talk real quickly, just because we talked about this briefly, that you can have a design trademark and a design patent. And they're two separate things, even though they're related to the same function, right? Uh, so uh, if you have a particular design of a product that's unique, you can patent the actual design as being a novel invention. You can also claim a trademark on the design as being a unique 
quality of your product. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. What? Like, I know they have a very distinct visual style, and they're using that as almost a sales. Certainly, that, like the Coke, ah, that's oh, easy one. Yes. The Coke bottle, right? Coke bottle. That's a real easy one. The Coke bottle. The shape of the Coke bottle is a uh, both a patent and a design trademark. So that you can't make your bottle shaped like that because it's a violation of the patent. You also can't uh, make it because it's would confuse uh, someone that it might be a Coke product because of the shape of the bottle. That's like the classic example. Um, um, so. I believe there is publicity rights. I've heard that this is a thing. Like, what do you mean by that? Um, the ability to... Um, what was it? The ability to uh, talk about product or service. So, okay. for instance, uh, Jimi Hendrix, uh, the ability to talk about Jimi Hendrix uh, supporting or sponsoring this particular product, that kind of thing, as one other like odd bit of intellectual property law at a blood seminar three years ago. Okay. I've dropped probably totally in left field. I guess I'm just not clear on exactly what you're saying um, is the right. Uh, like, um, can you talk about Superman in your in your okay, well, Superman is not real, and Jimi Hendrix was real. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. right. And there's an important thing. So wait, here's the thing. This is important. Uh, you can't use somebody's likeness. That's a separate issue that has nothing to do with intellectual property. That's a invasion of privacy issue. So, if I want to take a picture of my store with a bunch of people in it, I can't put that picture up without getting permission of everyone in that picture. Um, which is also why you'll see on some reality shows where like people are blurred out and some people aren't. Some people, you know, sign the waiver or the license to use their likeness, and some didn't, right? So. Yeah. So um, actually, Superman is a both it's a copyright and a trademark. So that this is actually like uh, um, so. Let's say in the intro of my book about detectives. Uh, can I reference famous detectives in the intro of that book, like Batman or, say, Sherlock Holmes? Right. Well, Sherlock Holmes, of course. Well, because he's open source, but... <laughs> Public domain. There's yeah, I'm sorry. Public that's domain. okay. Um, right, so things... We talk about things that are in the public domain, that means they were under... Well, not necessarily. It means that they they're basically been. not covered by any intellectual property. They're in the public domain. Anyone can use them. Um... So I did a game actually a few years ago called Passages, which was based on Victorian era literature, uh, partly so that I could <laughs> not have to worry about copyrights. For, uh, so using all these characters from this Victorian era literature, and I got all these old illustrations that I didn't have to pay for because they were all in the public domain. Um, that's fine. They're in the public domain. You can use them. Uh, it, it's, it can be very tricky, though, and this is a good example of this, is when I was doing that book, right up until my very last edit, I had uh, one of my villains that I had statted out was uh, Dr. Fu Manchu because the original works with Dr. Fu Manchu had fallen into the public domain. I found out just before I went to print that they had actually trademarked Dr. Fu Manchu also. So even though the, some of the works are in the public domain, the character is not because he's covered by the trademark. And so I had to take him out of the book. <laughs> um, another fun fact. So... You can use Sherlock Holmes. You can't use the character from Sherlock. Yeah, well, 
that's because that's a dip. That is technically a new character. More specifically, what I was referring to is like, can you mention? Yeah, right. So that yeah, that was going to get to that's essentially like a fair use issue. Uh-huh. Um, well, for copyright, there's a fair use exception. Um, for trademarks and things like that, you can use it. Um, so you can use you can use things, for example, to show for a variety of reasons that are okay. So I can use a trademark that's not mine to show compatibility or comparison. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm Pepsi, I can say, "Oh, we've got you know 50 less calories than Coca-Cola product, right?" Right. And I can use the word Coca-Cola even though that's a trademark. Right. Like you probably because couldn't use like the logo. Like you couldn't say better than Pepsi logo. Yeah, but uh, no, no. You, you can. Yeah, I mean, if you see the Pepsi and Coke ads, there's yeah, like the one do. with the Coke guy who's drinking the Pepsi cans when nobody's watching. Oh. Yeah, um, I, what, what really what I'm referring to is like in role playing games. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, the short wrong. answer is yeah. I'm getting to this answer. Oh, so yeah, the short yeah. answer is yes. Okay. Okay. So, but there's other exceptions too. You can use things that are copyrighted to show criticism, right, or to you know review something. You can take passages out, you know, things like that. Um, but you want to say, oh. I'm writing a game about this. Uh, I'm actually I'm writing a game about a, an assassin, uh, and I, one of the little things I book. So you can also use these rules to play as James Bond if you want. And I'm actually using the name James Bond right there, right? Right. Because I'm showing uh, from a copyright perspective. There's no br- this fair use gets confused a lot. There's no bright line rule again. You want to find out if something's fair use, you know, take it to court and see if you win. Right. <laughs> But there's these general guidelines. So is it for commercial use? Yes, it is. But how much am I using? Just a little bit, right? I'm not like right. copying the whole book and putting it in. Um, and is it, you know... I mean, you, you see it in superhero games all the time where they're like, here's an archetype. Here are five examples of these archetypes. Right. All copyrighted characters. Right. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Well, um, it depends what you mean by quotation. That's interesting, right? So anything that I'm saying here right now um, may not be covered by copyright. It might be. Depends. I mean, for example, so like if the I'm recording is. Now, uh, well, there's the recording two recordings, is, but that's a specific expression, so that's different. But. Right. It's probably okay. Again, you know, there's no guarantees, but it's, <laughs> it's probably okay. But without, I, I, had, I'm, I feel like I'm tiptoeing. Well, I know the there's books of inspirational sayings and whatnot. I know there are a bunch of those. Well, certainly there are ways to use quotes that are fine, but without knowing more about like which quotes you're using and where you got them from and who said them and, you know, that. You know, I'm not saying there can't be an issue there. And so, <laughs> um, 
I just, you know, I just, I, I want to be hesitant about just saying, oh yeah, that sounds fine, not knowing that there might be something in there where you actually like took a poem, a whole poem that someone wrote that you know that's still clearly. I don't know though. I'm saying that's why. So I, I'm hesitant to say that. But like. Right, so those all those opinions are probably meaningless, <laughs> unless they come from someone who really knows what they're doing. Um, so, for example, this one percent thing—that's not the—that's not the be-all end-all. Like, how much of the work you're using is a guideline. If you're using a lot, then it, it's more likely not fair use. If you're using very little, then it more likely is, but it's not a guarantee. Um, Well, that wouldn't necessarily matter either, right? I could die tomorrow, but my game is still covered by my copyright. So just I could die tomorrow and you couldn't take my game book and photocopy the whole thing and start selling it, right? Um, so that's not the be-all, end-all. Obviously, certain older, certainly older quotes that are more likely to be in the public domain are, you know, if you want to just... You can quote Plutarch and Aristotle, not a problem. Well, anything from the last century, anything from the last, well, now the second to last century, you know, from the uh, 1800s and earlier is going to be fine, almost for sure. Um, and there's a lot of stuff in the 1900s that is fine. Um, but, you know, <laughs> yeah. So what about quoting um, from uh, other mediums, like fictional characters? Because I know I actually have permission to use a quote from one of the Ed Greenwood's novels, uh, something that a character said, and he gave me permission to have it written down, something like that. But in general, if you wanted to just use a line, how does that work? Uh, that's the same thing. I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm hesitant to say it's okay. Just the mere fact that it's just a line is not the be-all, end-all. Uh, you can violate someone's copyright just by using a line of their work. Now, the safest thing is always to get permission. Yeah. Obviously, if you have a game with a 500 quotations, that may not be practical. Um, but if you could, obviously, get per written permission from everyone to use in your game, uh, you know, that'd be the easiest. That's right, then there's no doubt. Because that's what we call a license, which is something else we're going to talk about later tonight with my other panel. Uh, license is express permission to do something that you might not otherwise be able to do. In which case, it doesn't matter whether you could do it or you couldn't do it, they gave you express permission to do it. So that's always the safest way, for sure. What's the current um, length for copyrighted work without re-upping or anything like that? Life plus, what is it, 75 now? Is they it keep life upping plus it. 75 or life plus 100? I don't I, know. I, I, they I might have upped it. I don't even keep track. I don't even keep track, to be honest. Yeah, I was going to say, every few years they go back to Congress and ask them to make it longer, and they do. Yeah, I know they're coming close to that deadline, and who knows if they can't pass a budget, then they can't extend copyright. Um well, they, they, they keep pushing, yeah. <laughs> Disney is the example here. Yes, yes. We have to keep upping this copy. Yeah. Disney will never lose Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, they, see, now that's an interesting point, because they wouldn't lose Mickey Mouse, right? They would le lose Steamboat Willie. Yes, they would lose yeah. Anything right. more modern than that. Well, in fact, this is one of the reasons why they're making shorts now, is to reaffirm that they have used the character in the last two decades. <laughs> Any other? Yeah, okay. Patent pending. Okay, so that's what you use while you have, well, you, when you have something that you file the patent. 
So your filings for the patent, you've already filed with the USPTO, Patent and Trademark Office. And while that means that the application is pending. So you can start selling your thing right away. Um, and obviously, if you've got an invention that you think is worth a lot of money, you want to do that, right? Because your patent will only last for a certain period of time. Um, and so you want to, you're basically letting people know we don't have the finished patent yet, but we've, we're claiming a patent on it, and we've got the application pending. It's sort of like a warning to other people. We may not have the patent yet, but we're going to get one, so don't copy it. I'll be honest with you, I don't know the answer to that. Um, so, how long do patents last? Uh, I don't remember. Is it 10 years? Yeah, no, I, right? I thought it was 10 years. But then you can buy uh, What's that? It can vary a little bit by product. I know yeah. that medicines are different in number of years. Oh, yeah. And they do that thing called evergreening where they. Uh, hey. I don't. I'll be honest we with you. We have it in a slow tab format now. So yeah, that's, that's a new product. <laughs> I don't uh, keep up on all the patent stuff because it's really not germane to my particular interest okay. at all. Um, so, uh, but I believe it's but it's it is not nearly the same length as copyright. Uh, they patents actually expire, and trademarks. Just so we're clear, they can persist indefinitely as long as you continue to protect it. Um, you can register the trademark too, as we talked about. In which case, you have to re-register. It's like after five years, and then it's every ten years, and you have to file. No, no, no. I think you re have to re-register every 10 years, but you have to file an affidavit of continuing use or something like that uh, five years after you've re-registered it. Or so it's very convoluted, uh, but that's only for the registration. So even if you lose your registration, you can still claim the trademark as a regular trademark without the registration. On average, what is the cost to register a new trademark? Uh, I think like 500 bucks just for the filing fee. I don't know that that yeah. includes like the attorney time type stuff. This is why it's probably not a major thing in the gaming industry. It's really not necessary. I mean, we're not big enough fish. You know, if you invent the next big thing, you know, maybe. I'll compete you with you over the $200 of profit. But it's just we're not big enough fish to, to fight over. If the next big thing, I'll still have to have bro and not have to worry about <laughs> yeah. it yeah, so same thing with patents. Like I, I, I was trying to think, like if you, if you could come up with some new sort of like random number generator of the dice that was like, well, I, I haven't thought of it. Otherwise, they, they, I would have. They hadn't. They didn't patent the dice, but they could have. I think so. I think um, you could. Yeah, well, sorry, two of the dice, I believe the D twelve. I think they could have patented. Oh, and the polyhedrals. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. Think so. Oh well, uh, the D twelve didn't exist before. Actually, yes, that is not true because oddly enough, from my geology background, when I was taking structural geology, um, they were showing us all the different types of gems, and I pulled out my dice bag, and it was the same thing. And people have been using gems for random number generators back to the Roman days. Right, but not the, a twelve-sided. No, yes, it's twelve-sided. Twelve-sided. No, it's D10. That's the one that didn't exist before because it's not one of the uh, the constants that uh, you find in natural gems. With the ten, you're right. So they could have patented the D10. I, I, I was hearing about. Um, I forget the name of the uh, of the fellow who 
was uh, running that first uh, war game that Gygax and Arneson were playing in, effectively the first role-playing game. Um, and they were trying to replicate tables that had 7 out of 12 probabilities. So they had to ha- come up with a way to do that. But they, they got it from the educational supply stores, the platonic. That, yes, they were but, like yeah, teaching but, but that one wasn't sub, a platonic. Sub. So they had to... The 10 is not a platonic sub. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, right. something the like that. reason why it's not, it, why it would be patentable. But yeah. even if something as simple as fudge dice, for example, um, dice with a certain number of pluses in mind, I think theoretically that could be patented at that time. I don't know if they did or not. And I'm not sure again if it would be I worth it. Doubt if Fudge did, but yeah. <laughs> right, but I, I don't think they did. Right, but and I'm not sure would it be worth it to patent. But I'm pretty sure that like uh, Fantasy Flight. Um, oh, like the, the Star Wars. The Star dice. Wars dice. I'm pretty sure they say patent pending. But that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's why they use special dice so that they yeah. can patent them. Right. No, of course. And, and I'm fairly certain that and that Chessex can't yeah. make their own variety of Star yeah. Wars dice. Right. And that's why they do that. So you have to buy the dice from them instead of. Right. Some third party provider. But I know, for example, like Evil Hat is making their own fate dice now, right? right. Um, that are exactly the same in terms of layout. Uh, they're different in that they're wider near the no, I know, edges but, of them. But that's so. Yeah, that's but I could argue that's a new feature. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, a piece of paper can be a legal document, right? Yeah, no, 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 I'm just saying this is important. So this, I get this all the time. We had one on contracts earlier today. Um, it, there's nothing magical for the most part about something like that. So, yeah, if you get a piece of paper, if you say, I give you know so-and-so permission to use my photo on the website, um, and they sign off on that, that's fine. That's good enough. Sure. Um, yeah. And there's other ways you can get it, too, like, I don't know how, like, you might have a sign that if you have a store, I'm not talking to you, someone, you might have a sign in your store that say we reserve the right to, you know, take pictures for publicity purposes. Then you've waived it by agreeing, going to the store. You don't want your picture taken, don't go in the store. Yeah. Uh, going to trademark uh, infringement again. Um, okay, so this is kind of a, um, related to my specific trademark, but, um, and because I know this has happened to other people, the, how different does your trademark image have to be for it not to be considered infringement? Uh, for example, the, the Red Cross, used by the Red Cross, um, they've sued companies for using that even when it did other symbols. Right. So. Blue Cross passed? Well, mine's blue. That's why. I'm a Huey Fireball. I have a blue cross in the middle of a fireball. And I get away with that, but I know that, like, apparently a Red Cross in a coat of arms on Neopets was sued because it was a Red Cross in a wooden coat of arms, and that was similar enough to their, that right. they had so to change the color. The answer to your question is file a lawsuit and find out. Okay. Or let them defend the lawsuit and find out, right? I mean, no, you, there's no way to know in advance what is or isn't going to fly. You can just have a best guess and then, you know, figure it out. 
send them a, send them a nice letter saying I'd like to do this. I really don't. <laughs> well, there's gonna, I don't want any confusion. Will you sue me? If so, I I'd won't do it. I was going to say they're, they're, that's a double-edged sword because when they say no, then it gets really hard to use it anyway, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, you're on their radar now. I mean, I've I'll, seen other color crosses, which is why mine's yeah. not that color because like that's how Neopets handled their problem. They said if we turn it green, is that okay? <laughs> right. But I was just wondering if there was some kind so of there, like. This happens everywhere in the law. You might have legal, or they might have someone has, might have legal rights, uh, but there's practical limitations on the exercise of those rights. So they are not monitoring everything, right? And they frankly don't probably care about everything, right? They just How much are they to, losing? They just want to theoretically nothing. Well, but here's the tricky part. So for trademark, you have to protect it, or it will fall into the public domain. That's right. what happened to like cellophane and. Well, that's the, I so mean, that's the logic games. as to why they sent the cease and desist right. letter to right. random companies that happen to have red crosses as their symbol of health. Right. Um, but if they don't notice it, it's not a big deal. You're, as you say, flying under the radar, which is not uncommon for us in the game industry. Uh, then you're probably, I would probably just go that route, frankly, as long as you keep in mind if you get the cease and desist letter, is it going to bankrupt you to have to change everything at that time? Right. <laughs> Other questions? Yeah. Do you have to put the TN next to your trademark everywhere it appears? Um, part of protecting it? You don't have to, but it's best practice. What if it's not feasible? Like if you're going to play yeah. cards or something, you got a small logo on it. I can't have an even smaller TN. You can. Well, but uh, it no, it's not necessary. Right? The other thing you could do is you could print it on the box or the instructions okay. that come with the cards and say so the the Lawcraft logo is a trademark of you know Justin D. Jacobson. So as long as you have it in the manual, then you wouldn't necessarily have to have it everywhere. Right. Here. You can have it on your website if you want, frankly. Um, but you just you have to make sure that you're representing to the public that okay. you have it. Yeah. In the event of a lawsuit, uh, does that have to be a substantial amount of money? In other words, if I inadvertently solicit this and then sue you, but if, you, if, if my name is even there for the contract, is there really any compensation for that? Probably not, um, and that's what I was talking about before: is practical limitations on legal rights. Uh, it depends. They certainly wouldn't make sense for them to sue you under those facts if they're actually trying to get their money back. What if they, they don't might like sue you? you for the publicity of showing people that you better not mess with their copyright because those people are really, you know, tough SOBs, right? That might be why they did. Disney's like that. They sue everybody and send CMDs all over the place, and people say, oh, I'm not getting near that Disney stuff. Or if it hurt anything but Hulk, and you will get a cease and desist order. Um, <laughs> unless it's on Twitter. Feminist Hulk well, is fine. Um, although, if it hurts their brand, right, if you watch are, out. If you're a flop of a game for some reason, they consider doing some uh, negative brand uh, uh, damage, they might sue you under the concept that it damages their their livelihood. Shareholder value. Yeah, their, their value. So they, they don't care about them not getting any money. Well, most likely they do care, right? <laughs> but uh, even if you're flat broke, you don't want to have a judgment enter against you. Uh, so they are probably relying on that too. Um, you know, that shows up on your credit report, for example, and things like that, so... It lasts for a while. You might not be broke now, but you might 
you might be broke now, but you might not be in five years, in which case then you come and collect then, you know? I have a little war story I can tell if we're running out of questions real quickly. Is, uh, I have I have my, well, my second game book that I published was uh, Dawning Star, which we just rebooted. Uh, but I um, paid an artist. This was, I had the, the idea for this, this was a setting, campaign setting for D20 Future. The idea for the setting I got from somebody, and we worked out a deal to, to he was going to write it, and then I hired an artist, and even I, an attorney, made a rookie mistake. I was contracted with him for progress payments over a certain period of time, and then my writer flaked out on me and couldn't write it, which was not a big deal because I just kept, I, part of my agreement with him was I got to keep the idea, and so I have another writer working on it. Well, the problem is I've already paid my <laughs> artist, uh, all this money and he had only done a couple of like promo illustrations and he posted them up on I want to say like Gama Sutra or one of these places and uh, uh, it was DeviantArt whatever for whatever it was anyway and someone said oh by the way you totally stole this art from someone else and they sh oh, did a side by side comparison where he had basically photoshopped out some head of some other illustration and like did the rest of the picture around it was really incredibly stupid this guy was a very talented artist he was done a ton of work in the industry. Um, I think he just flaked out and had some issues or whatever. Um, so I sued him in Florida. I had a contract with him, so the provider that I could sue him in Florida. I sued him for civil theft and alleged that he basically did this just to get the money and was basically no intention of doing the work. He didn't defend. I got a judgment against him for $7,500. Um, that was in 2006, um, and he was flat broke <laughs> and he was moving around. I had no idea where he was. Well, last year <laughs> I saw somebody was doing, I think they were doing a Kickstarter or I forget what it was. Maybe they were just promoing. They, they said, Oh, look, we're bringing this artist in on our game. It's uh, this artist. And I was like, Holy crap. He's still working. Uh, so I followed that up with a subpoena to this game company to get all the information about their, you know, how are they paying him and what, they sent him any checks. I want to see canceled checks. I wanted to see all this stuff. Any contracts we have? And they're like, uh, what's going on? They started panicking. I said, look, I, this guy owes me money. Uh, so they told me they were paying him through PayPal. So then I turned around and I garnished his PayPal account, which put a freeze, which put a freeze on his PayPal account. This And all this that I'm talking about right now has happened in the past two months. <laughs> so he probably thought uh, he's forgotten about me or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but no. <laughs> yeah, um, and so he can't get paid now because that's how he gets paid, right? And he's, I, it, they froze a little bit of money. It wasn't much, but uh, so he called me up and my firm, and uh, it was like he's basically getting on a payment plan now. So just because you might be broke then, doesn't mean you're out of the woods. <laughs> um, as a practical matter, if the, the damages are going to be minimal to a big company, it's not worth it much. They might not worry about it. That's just a cautionary tale for what you might think is small and insignificant. Someone else might not. Yeah, and I, I'm just thinking of a few more horror stories at this point since we're at horror story clock. Um, Guardians of Order, right? Oh. Um, and uh, the other thing was with the uh, what was that? Um, I'm blanking on the name of the god game Nobilis, the most recent edition. Had a very similar thing uh, with regards to art, uh, the yeah. artist. Um, so that delayed production by, I think it was six to nine months. 
because they had to redo and commission all new art for the entire book. Just before it went to press. Before it went to press. Yeah. Any other questions? <laughs> Comments? Let's say you do want to buy a picture of your character. How would you recommend To buy, what was it? I want to buy a picture. An illustration, like for your book or whatever, let's say, or maybe the, your game box, right? Yeah. Uh, that's funny. That was my panel at 11 o'clock. But short version is, uh, and this is true with if you want to use somebody else's, you know, copyright in some way, you can always just send them a letter and uh, or email them or whatever, and say I, I would like to use. I love your so and so illustration. I would love to use it on my game cover. I just want the rights to publish it. So you need to be careful about what rights. And I'm, we're talking about license. Well, I don't know if that's really about art licensing, but in any case. Um, so these are the, the rights you have, the person who made that art, they have all kinds of rights to protect what people can and can't do with it, which means they can divvy those rights up however they like. They can sell you the art entirely. You, now you own this whole art, and you are you own all the rights in it. For $1. Or, or, they they can just, or they can just sell you the right to use it for a particular purpose, what we call a license, to use the art, right? Um, so you might... Negotiate now. All I, I, you, I don't want to buy all the rights. So I just want to buy a right to use a license to use it for my game box, and um, you would negotiate that. And it, as far as the price, I mean, there's no way to tell. It depends. I mean, are you talking about Picasso or some guy who's just starting out? Right. I mean, my my one tip for negotiating is this. Uh, I have two tips, but this is this is a good one. Uh, never make the first offer. Right. So if you're in this example, you'd say, "Oh, I would love to buy the rights." just to use this for the game box, what would you be looking for for that? And they come back and say, $1,000. You say, oh, I was thinking more along the lines of $750. they are likely to say, okay, right? Uh, whereas if you come in and say $750, then they say, ah, I was thinking more along the lines of $1,000, right? You never want to make the first offer. So I'll give you my other, my other negotiating tip. This is great. This works anywhere in life. You ready? This is gold, I'm telling you. Uh, doesn't matter if you're negotiating for a car or anything, right? Salary. When you get to your, where your final offer is going to be, like you're ready to make your final offer, make it an uneven number. So <laughs> let's say, and this is what I do for a living all day long. I said I do debt collection. I'm negotiating with people all day long, right? So let's say that uh, you want to buy something for $3,000, and you guys have gone back and forth, and you're ready to make your final offer of $3,000. Don't, don't offer $3,000. <coughs> offer $2,986.14. Because psychologically, the person is thinking, oh, that's a really weird number. I wonder how they calculate it. It must be for real. That must seriously be their like bottom line offer. No one picks that randomly, right? Um, even though you did. And so they're more inclined to think that there's no more negotiating room if you pick a, an odd number. That's my other tip for you. Use it wisely. Any other questions? Any questions? All right, well, I'm also obviously around the con. If you have any questions later or about anything else legally related, feel free to bother me. It's okay. I, I appreciate it. I, my, my work for my for my gaming friends is sort of like my pro bono work, uh, so I'm happy to help people out uh, who have gaming questions and things like that. Um, so feel free to.
This seminar recording was made possible by the generous contributions of the panel speakers and the Metatopia Convention Organizing Team, Double Exposure. All of the Double Exposure conventions are amazing, and I can't speak highly enough of Metatopia as a convention for designers to meet up, to discuss, to test, and to learn more about this lovely hobby of ours. You can find out more at www.dexposure.com, and I hope you'll join us next year at Metatopia.